News Network. When you can stand with a clear mind while all around you are losing theirs, you must be listening to TNN, the Truth News Network. And your better man is Dan Newman. Do you think there's enough chaos in your world today, or do you need a little more? (laughs) Well, pretty much every week we start together, me and you and Truth News Network, we find out there are some things that are pushed out over the weekend that we just didn't know about, or maybe we suspected, but we didn't know if they were real. Well, guess what? If it has anything to do with Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, the Biden administration, and it's negative in any way, pretty much can bet on the fact it's true. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our final week of the dog days of summer. I don't know who came up with that terminology, but boy, down in the deep south, that really resonates with a lot of people. It has been hot, and it still is. We got a little break overnight, first time in about five weeks that uh, we didn't go to bed with 100 degrees or even a couple of degrees over that. It has just been steamy. And for those of you listening in that don't know the difference between deep south, I mean really deep south states that run along the Gulf of Mexico as compared to a couple of layers in like uh, Oklahoma and Arkansas, Missouri, and Tennessee, the big difference, humidity. You guys don't know what humidity is until you live through the dog days of summer along the Gulf South. Oh, my gosh. It could be 100 degrees and feel like it's 140, and you cannot stop perspiring or good old-fashioned sweating. My mother taught me never use that. That's a gross word. Always call it perspiring or perspiration. Don't call it sweat. Well, (laughs) I promise you, it's been hot, steamy, and sweaty now for about five or six weeks. We got a little break overnight. We had some kind of nasty wind and rain blow through our area about 10 o'clock last night. And it was spooky. We had some trees down this morning, leaves everywhere. Big garbage cans blown around in our neighborhood. Actually, uh, I uh, had my car parked outside of our garage last night and dodged a bullet called a trash can, thank goodness. But anyway, weather... And we know climate activists have told us we're supposed to be educated enough now to know that climate change causes everything that happens around the world. People get mad, angry, shoot and kill other people because of climate change. It rains because of climate change. It floods because of climate change. It's too dry and it never rains because of climate change. Climate change is just the villain. Some straw man that everybody on the left can actually call that entity out and blame it for all the stuff doing with climate that can even been kind of clicked together with climate. They're screaming now, the climatologists. They're screaming now about what happened in Maui. Oh, you knew it was coming. Climate change caused those fires. Yeah, right. 
Well, here's what we're going to do. Over the weekend, as expected, we had some new information hit. And we're going to wade right into the middle of it. One of the biggest stories, probably the big, the biggest story of the last few months now, is that that incident that happened over in Ukraine involving former General Prosecutor Viktor Shokin, you know, where Joe Biden was bragging about getting him fired because he was investigating Burisma Holdings. And, of course, Burisma Holdings is the Ukrainian country company that the president's son Hunter just happened to be serving on the board of, making $83,333.33 every month, which works out to be a million dollars a year. We're going to get into that. We are going to get into all of that. Congressman Mike Johnson, I heard him, I guess about an hour, hour and a half ago, I was walking through and saw Fox and Friends this morning, and Mike Johnson was on there. Brian Kilmeade was talking to Congressman Johnson about this Victor Shokin stuff. So we have a lot of layers to peel back on our onion. And we're going to get into that. But we're going to start the morning. I want you to be a little happy. I want you to clap your hands, pat your foot, and you'll probably sing along. In fact, I bet you you're going to sing along. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say.
sound. What a great way to start any day, let alone any week. Just be happy. And that's a choice. You do realize that. Nobody can steal your happiness away unless you give it up. So how do we keep that from happening? Just refuse to give up your happiness. In fact, my mother taught me when I was little growing up not to try to be happy to be joyful instead. Joyful is a true thing that we can go after. Happiness is fleeting. It's a feeling. It's not something tangible. Joy, you can grab a hold of it and hang on to it, and I don't care which one of those, if both are not necessarily true, I just feel better when I feel happy. And so, dadgummit, I'm happy this morning. (laughs) I'm happy you're with us. I'm happy we're close to September. Let me tell you this. I'm happy that we're going to start the NFL season, college football, high school football. It's all in the air, and it's about to kick off. I watched a few little snippets of some um, NFL preseason games. We have probably five, six, seven, eight kids from the school that my grandkids go to in Shreveport, Louisiana, Evangel Christian Academy. Besides being a great Christian school, it's got great athletics there. And uh, we've got a bunch of kids that are in the NFL right now. Um, Jarg Bernard, trying to think of, I don't want to leave anybody out. Trent Taylor, he's playing for Cincinnati. Jarek, I forget where he's playing. Um, we have a, uh, a defensive back, a linebacker um, out of LSU that's playing for Chicago. We have a defensive tackle, Jerry Tillery. He uh, was a first-round draft choice. He's up playing for Las Vegas now. So it's kind of cool when you have somebody you can watch and cheer for when they're at that level, and we get to go to some occasional games. But, boy, I tell you what, Tensions are high today around the NFL because tomorrow is the final cut where players are going to find out if they get to play in the league this year. So there's a lot of nervousness going on. But I can't wait for them to get out on the field. There's just something about watching Thursday night football and Sunday afternoon, Monday night football. There's just something about it I really like. And high school football... For those of you that don't know about what's about to happen this Friday regarding high school football, on Amazon's free streaming network, there's a series, a series, an actual series that's going to kick off this Friday night, and it's called God Family Football. It is actually one season of 
what's going on at this school I told you about, Evangel Christian Academy. It's not just about football. It's not just about church. It's about kids growing up, getting together. It's about family. It's about being together, and it is about football. That series, you can find it. Again, the name is, you can Google it today. It uh, There's a free app that you download. Um, I can't ever remember. I want to get it right. Let me look at Real quickly, let me look at it on my phone. I want to tell you, the app is free and watching it is free, which I think is very unusual. Let's see. I'm going to go grab it. Bear with me. I'm one of those people on my phone. I always put apps where I can't possibly lose them or not know where they are. (laughs) Then I lose them. It's free V, F-R-E-E-V-E-E, free V. You can download it there. And I'm not sure what time this coming Friday, the first program in the series comes out. As a matter of fact, I'm almost positive they're going to let us download six episodes up front. So then you can binge watch, which I always love to do. If I get a good series, man, I'll sit there and watch it and watch the next one and watch the next one. It's kind of a great way to kill a weekend, you know, especially if the weather's bad. But the name of it again is God Family Football. God Family Football. And it's free to watch. It'll change your life. And if you've got young people in your home, grandparents, it's something really neat for your grandchildren to see. So turn them on to it. You'll really like it. It's a it's a following of a very, very successful school, not just athletically. This school has put people in the White House, in NASA, big major corporations all across the globe, into ministry, missionaries, pastors, evangelists, and it's a great, great thing to even find out there's a school like this in the United States that's doing the God family football stuff all together at one time. So you got that. That's a free commercial. By the way, in the show during the series, yours truly is the PA announcer for this school for their football games, which I am in true life. In fact, uh, we played a, 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 a jamboree. I don't know if you have these elsewhere in the country, but down south, a couple of weeks before the regular season starts for high school football, they'll have a jamboree where there will be multiple teams that will play. Instead of playing a whole game against each other, they'll play two quarters. So it's like a half. And Evangel Christian Academy went over to West Monroe, Louisiana, and took on one of the best teams in the state, Washita High School, which is a classification above Evangel. Evangel is 4A. Washita's at the top level, 5A. And Evangel spanked them. And the previous week, Evangel went to Sterlington, Louisiana, which is a small town north of Monroe, and spanked Sterlington there. Both of those teams were predicted to beat Evangel kind of handily. So I think we're going to have a great year. Besides that, I've got three grandchildren that are seniors this year. Our twin granddaughters are seniors and their cousin are seniors. And uh, so we're 
we're they're involved in everything. We're involved in everything. It's kind of cool to have. And then we have one more grandbaby after that that is now a freshman. So I kind of like being a poppy. That's what my grandkids call me, poppy. After all, it's okay. You know, it's not cool when you're 40, but when you're 70, it's pretty cool to be a poppy. So you want to get on to business today? Let's just dive right in. First thing we're going to look at, poll came out yesterday, and it's not your typical poll, and it's why it caught my eyes. President Biden has finally united almost the entire nation as one, but it's probably not in the way he had planned for it to be united. A poll release shows broad public belief He's just too old to be effective in a second term. Now, this revelation comes in polling from the Associated Press, which finds much of the public across every party affiliation united in sizing up the one trait that octogenarian Joe Biden cannot change. And you know what it is. 77% of all those polled say Biden's too old to be effective for four more years. By the way, not only 89% of Republicans say that, but 70% of Democrats do too. And that view is held across age groups, not just by young people, though older Democrats specifically are more supportive of him running again in 2024. In contrast, about half of U.S. adults survey say Trump is too old for the office even as Democrats are far more likely to disqualify Trump by age than are Republicans. Now, remember, these are opinions, and we all know what opinions are like. Everybody's got one. A lot of them stink and smell bad, but nevertheless, we all have one. But they're still just that, opinions. It was a poll of 1,165 adults, and it was conducted August 10th through 14th using a sample that was drawn from probability-based Amerispeak, which is designed to be representative of the entire U.S. population. Still, though, it's a group of opinions. Don't ever let that miff you. The poll's clear message, as defined by the Associated Press, is Americans are saying out with the old man and in with the young, or at least younger anyway, than the 80-year-old Democrat now in the White House. Now, this is far from the first time Biden's age has been noted by both the general public and intending voters. Biden's the oldest serving president ever in history. And if he is reelected and serves a full term, he would be 86 years old when he leaves office. I, I just don't, I just can't see that happen. I just can't believe that's something that's good for the American people. Certainly, with the plethora of candidates that we already have in the race, on both sides even, with the plethora of different, diverse candidates out there to pick from, how could anybody think Joe Biden is the best? And if you throw that into uh, the mix in your consideration that for you and me, every American family, Every American family is paying $8,400 more this year than we did last year just because of one thing, Joe Biden's president. 
When he came to office, he brought in his horrible inflation results. And of course, remember that Inflation Reduction Act that he got us, not me and you, but got our members in Congress to vote for and support he was going to reduce inflation. It's actually done the opposite. Let me just cut to the chase. Joe's got to go. He's got to go. So what is the other big, 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 big news over the weekend? It's Victor Shokin. Real quickly, I'm going to give you the skinny story about it. Victor Shokin was the prosecutor general for the nation of Ukraine that the former president, Poroshenko, brought in specifically because there was so much corruption going on They needed to get somebody that wasn't necessarily directly part of the Ukrainian government to investigate a bunch of these businesses and politicians that were very, very jaded in the wrong direction. And so President Poroshenko, he went and hired Viktor Shokin, independent prosecutor general. So we heard all about this. Remember, we even have heard Joe Biden brag about it in public. You remember the story. He goes over there because Barack Obama appointed him to be the point man for the U.S. government dealing directly with Ukraine. And so we had made a verbal commitment that we were going to help Ukraine by guaranteeing a $1 billion loan for them. So we know the story. We've heard it over and over again. We've played the soundbite here for you probably 20 times where Joe bragged about it at a public meeting after the fact. He went over and he met with Poroshenko. Poroshenko had Victor Shokin investigating Burisma. And Joe said, uh-uh, that's not going to happen. And President Poroshenko said, well, why, Mr. Vice President? And Joe said, you need to fire Victor Shokin. Poroshenko basically said, well, he's in the middle of an investigation. We'll probably wait it through. And Joe said, well, if you don't fire him before I leave to go back to the U.S., which I'm going to do in about eight hours, you're not going to get the $1 billion loan guarantee. And Poroshenko told him, you're not the president. And Joe bragged, Publicly, he bragged and said, call him. In other words, call Barack Obama. And so Joe skipped forward. Basically, when they got ready to get on the plane, Air Force Two, and go back to the U.S., Poroshenko had fired Victor Shokin that afternoon. And to quote our president, son of a bee, he was fired. And they got their billion dollars. Now, we were told and led to believe through this entire holocaust of Ukrainian corruption, Burisma corruption, Hunter Biden corruption, Joe Biden corruption, we were told again and again and again, Shokin was a bad guy. Shokin was a bad guy. Well, over the weekend we found out Shokin was a good guy, a really good guy. In fact, President Obama at the time was in love with the idea of Victor Shokin being there because he wasn't corrupt. But that's not what Joe told us. 
we had to get rid of him because he was corrupt. The only reason Joe said we had to get rid of him was because Hunter was in a corrupt company that was bribing people around the world, and Hunter and Joe apparently are part of it. So I don't know how much of it you have heard, but about an hour and a half ago, I just happened to walk through a room, Fox and Friends this morning was on, and my congressman who was on with us last week, Mike Johnson, 4th Congressional District of Louisiana, he was on the phone with Brian Kilmeade during this show today. You're going to hear some stuff from Victor Shokin and a special that Brian Kilmeade did over the weekend about this entire mess with Victor Shokin. But here's Mike Johnson with Brian Kilmeade just an hour or two ago. Former Prosecutor General, who was fired while investigating Burisma, exclusively sharing with me over the weekend bombshell allegations about the Biden family corruption scandal. No doubt that there were illegal activities engaged in by uh, Burisma. Founder and CEO of uh, Burisma started bringing in people who could provide protection for him. Hunter Biden was uh, among them. My firm personal conviction is that, yes, this was the case. They were being bribed. The fact that Joe Biden gave away $1 billion in uh, U.S. Uh, money in exchange for my dismissal, my firing, isn't that alone a case of corruption it seems it here with what this could mean for the legal case against the bidens is gop congressman house judiciary committee member mike johnson congressman johnson your reaction to shokin finally getting to speak for himself and what he said well first brian i want to thank you for covering this story this should be the headline in every news outlet in america just think of it the simplicity of it here's the summary the president bribed uh, or, or uh, pressured a foreign leader to fire that country's top prosecutor because the prosecutor was investigating his son. And he used a billion dollars of U.S. taxpayer money to have that bidding done. And then he bragged about it on video. I can't understand why every news outlet is not covering this as the first story this morning and throughout this process. We, This is, uh, Mr. Chokin, of course, is an important voice in this because he was directly involved. He was the target of the, of the president. And the idea that he believes there was bribery confirms what many of us are already thinking. And by the way, he was appointed, asked to come out of retirement uh, by Poroshenko himself, who was a predecessor to Zelensky, and he was doing his work. He said, I was pursuing Burisma for people who said I wasn't, and they knew I was pursuing it, and that's why I got fired. And he worries about his security and also said was not in the piece, but he also said that he would come and testify in Congress. Are you guys going to call him? I think he could be a key witness in this, of course. And you see the White House pushing back against your story and suggesting that he's not a trustworthy witness. You know, they say that about everyone uh, involved in this. But, you know, the, the idea that the president would be engaged in a pay-to-play scheme like this, I mean, bribery is something that's simply defined. And what everybody needs to remember here is that it is specifically listed, of course, as one of the three causes for impeachment in our Constitution. Article 2, Section 4 says that treason, bribery, high crimes and misdemeanors. And on Capitol Hill, a lot of people right. debate and quibble about what high crimes and misdemeanors are, but we know what bribery is. Uh, it's right. someone paying you to do their, their, their bidding, and that's what happened here, apparently. Uh, yeah, and uh, evidently there's uh, John Solomon reporting, too, that it wasn't necessarily.
personally President Obama, who knew what he was doing, that the vice president was up to. All right, so let's talk about a story that came out in John Levine of the New York Post. Uh, despite claims that Jack Smith is working on his own, separate from the attorney general, i just here to find out the truth on Donald Trump and its documents in January 6th. The New York Post raised some concerns for those who think they're separate, uh, and that is this. And this is a, uh, an excerpt from it. Jay Bratt who joined the special counsel team in November of 2022 of Jack Smith, shortly after it was formed, took a meeting at the White House March 31st with Caroline Saba, deputy chief of staff of the White House counsel's office. White House logs reveal this. Nine weeks later, Trump was indicted by Smith's office. The spokesperson for the counsel said this about Bratt. He was at the White House for a case-related interview. Oh, now I feel better. A case-related interview. I thought, did, did you really... Uh, does this mean anything to you, Congressman Johnson? Yes, it means a lot. Of course, this is one more uh, piece of evidence that, that indicates, again, what all of us know intuitively. Jack Smith is engaged in a, in a partisan political indictment of President Trump because he's the top rival to Joe Biden. There is supposed to be, everybody should understand this by now, the special counsel is supposed to be completely independent not only of the DOJ, but obviously of the White House. And so you have this, this implication, one, one more one more piece of evidence that seems to indicate they were all working together on this. Nine weeks before the first indictment drops, he, he has his, uh, his appointed person there at the White House meeting with him. It's, it's, it's outrageous. All right, Congressman, just find out the truth. And why are they giving you so hard, such a hard time if they have nothing to hide is really uh, beyond me. Congressman Johnson, thank you very much. If they have nothing to hide... Why are they trying to hide stuff? Wouldn't it be wouldn't it be better and more presidential if Joe Biden really wasn't involved in bribery with this Victor Shokin firing? Wouldn't it be smart for him if he wants to run again and be president again for him to say, okay, no problem. We're just going to shine the light. In fact, we won't even shine the light. We'll let you guys shine the light. Do your investigating. We'll open up and give you access to all the telephone conversations, the emails, the texts back and forth. We're not going to hide a thing because we did nothing wrong. We have nothing to be afraid of. Why won't they do that? Why haven't they already done that? You and I both know the obvious is it actually happened. Now, we're not through with the Victor Shokin story. I'm going to let you listen in just a few minutes to Brian Kilmeade with a segment from his special on Saturday night with Shokin. And it's a little tough to follow. you got to listen close because there's an interpreter in the mix, and that always makes it a little difficult. But before we go there, guess what just popped out early this morning? You remember the name Devin Archer? Devin Archer was on the board of Burisma at the same time Hunter Biden was. They were form well, they are former big buddies, and they were running a couple of corporations together themselves. Some Devin Archer news came out early this morning. You want to know what it is? Devin Archer met with then Secretary of State John Kerry just weeks before the Ukrainian prosecutor Shokin, who was investigating Burisma, just two weeks before they fired Victor Shokin back in 2016. Shokin was fired March 29, 2016, less than four weeks after Archer met with Kerry at the State Department in D.C. 
Now, this is according to a State Department email. Quote, Devin Archer coming to CS today at 3 p.m. Needs someone to meet slash greet him at C Street. That was from a redacted email on March 2nd, 2016, which was previously released through the Freedom of Information Act. Interesting, huh? So Fox News confirmed that S really refers to John Kerry based on multiple other email communications. However, it's unclear what Archer and Kerry talked about at the meeting or whether Burisma came up in the conversation. At the time of the meeting, Archer and Hunter had been sitting on the board of Burisma for about two years at $83,000 a month, folks. And then Vice President Joe Biden had recently wrapped up a trip over there where he threatened to withhold that $1 billion in U.S. aid if Ukraine did not fire Shokin, claiming he was too lax on prosecuting corruption. (laughs) Yeah, right. When the email was first released back in 2019, Senators Grassley of Ohio and Johnson of Wisconsin, they both expressed their concerns about the meeting, and they sent a letter to the Secretary of State then, Mike Pompeo, requesting that all records from the meeting, in addition to other meetings, including Hunter's 2015 meeting with Blinken. During that interview that played Saturday on Fox News' Brian Kilmeade, Shokin said he was fired at Biden's insistence because of his investigation into Burisma. And of course, the White House has disputed that claim. I have said repeatedly in my previous interviews that then-Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko fired me at the insistence of then-Vice President Biden because I was investigating Burisma. Now, that's Shokin in the Saturday interview with Kilmeade. Poroshenko understood, and so did Vice President Biden, that had I continued to oversee the Burisma investigation, we would have found the facts about the corrupt activities they, they, that's Hunter and Joe, were engaged in. That included both Hunter, Devin Archer, and others. The White House pointed to indications that Shokin was fired because he'd been too soft on corruption. But there's a problem with that. Victoria Newland, State Department expert, publicly, publicly came forward in 2016 and lauded the job that Victor Shokin was doing so good, a job that Obama was actually said he was excited about having somebody that that was insistent on getting to the truth, working on behalf of the Ukrainian people, ferreting out evil. Now put all that together and line it up. What does it tell you? It tells me. We have a corrupt man sitting in the Oval Office today at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And apparently, just like we found out in Russia, 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 and we found out later, it's not just in the Oval Office. It's all over Washington, D.C. It has consumed our Department of Justice. Do you realize where we are as a nation now because we've, have factual, hardcore evidence. Our Department of Justice, all the way up to the Attorney General, is absolutely sold out corrupt. 
our FBI, at least at the top, Christopher Ray, corrupt, probably the entire top floor of the J. Edgar Hoover building. That's where all of the yuppity yups offices are. They're probably all in the tank and corrupt. And they're covering for each other. That should scare every American because I promise you this one thing. You get in a jam, you're definitely not going to be treated like they're being treated and like they want every American to treat them. Two tiers of justice? I'm beginning to think that's four or five or even six or seven deep. And it's not just the elite's political or in a level of their own, and then you and I. I think they have put you and I in different levels. And they have classified us, and we've all been stamped with a letter on our foreheads, and it probably goes from A to about L or M or N. And that's the way they're running our government. And every day, something new comes out that proves that's exactly what's happening. 35 years after the original movie, Fox is bringing you back to where it all began. Nobody puts baby in the corner. This is the real Dirty Dance. Yeah. Eight celebrities compete to become the real Baby and Johnny. Work on my Johnny is. Some will rise. Some will fall. All will have the time of their life. The Real Dirty Dancing four-week event starts Tuesday at 9 on Fox 5. Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well-trained? Or that our kitchens are both SLSI and GMP certified? That we freshly bake goodies throughout the day? Well, it matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Kiel's, we're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, we're fresh because of you. Starbucks Via Instant is made with the same 100% Arabica beans served at Starbucks. So it's the only instant with the rich, delicious taste of the Starbucks coffees you love and takes only seconds to make. Starbucks Via Instant, the only instant coffee of its kind. Available in black flavored lattes and iced coffee. I pass through the trees. I leave behind the mountains. I weave in the air. I fly over the birds. And I wish, when I complete my journey, I leave behind a better world. Honda Civic Hybrid, India's first hybrid car with IV Tech engine, leave behind a better world. While some compromise to be nice, others aggressively hold to the truth. Guess which one we are. TNN, the Truth News Network. You know what? Sometimes that's hard to do. It'd be a lot easier just to slide in and go with the flow and not make any ripples or 
You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's just comfortable to not have to deal with any controversy. And sadly, there are too many of of us Americans that feel that way. And we look at it now and it's like we think, you know what? It's just not worth the battle. But that's a dangerous spot to live in. We got to make sure we're not living in that place that we always, always not only think, but we make our actions parallel the fact that truth is worth the trouble. Facts and getting those facts is worth the effort, whatever the effort is, to make sure the rule of law is in place, the rules are in place, accountability for everybody, no matter at whatever level they are. In government, in private life, doesn't matter. They're being held accountable by those who are in authority positions over them. Because if we don't have that, if we don't have law, we have anarchy. And I mean, I see what happens in different countries pretty regularly, as you do, what happens when there's no law enforcement or when somebody just takes it over and abolishes or ignores the rule of law and just do anything and everything they want to do on their own. I don't want to go live there. And I bet you don't either. So speaking from that perspective, I told you Brian Kilmeade had a exclusive interview with Victor Shokin, the Ukrainian prosecutor general that was fired because of Joe Biden. Over the weekend, they got together. And I want you to listen in for a little bit of that interview. Now, Shokin is speaking Ukrainian and there is an interpreter So you may want to have to turn your volume up just a little bit and see if you can zero in on what the interpreter is saying. Kilmeade and Victor Shokin. Victor Shokin joins me for a One Nation exclusive. Watch. Why were you fired from your position by President Poroshenko? I have said repeatedly in my previous interviews that Poroshenko fired me at the insistence of the then Vice President Biden because I was investigating Burisma. So did President Poroshenko tell you that? That he wanted you to stay on the job, but there was pressure from President, Vice President Biden? Uh, you understood me correctly. This is how it was. Uh, there were no complaints whatsoever, no problems with how I was performing at uh, my job. But because pressure was repeatedly put on President Poroshenko, uh, that is uh, what ended up in uh, him firing me. What are your thoughts when you saw the tape of Vice President Biden speaking to the Council on Foreign Relations, saying you had six hours to fire you or you're not going to get the billion dollars. Not only the position of President Poroshenko, the office of President Poroshenko was humiliated, but the entire country of Ukraine was humiliated. And uh, I developed a very firm understanding of the fact that Vice President, the Vice President was only acting in his own interests. He, generally speaking, handled Ukraine like um, it was his own backyard. He would put people uh, that were suitable for him. He would arrange for them to be put in certain positions. Why were you looking into Burisma? 
The reason I oversaw the Burisma case was because I was the, the prosecutor general. Burisma was an ordinary case. Uh, there wasn't anything particularly different about it. Uh, the reason that I was handling it was because it deserved a special uh, mention. It was on a list of cases to merit special attention because Hunter Biden was involved with uh, Burisma and, of course, his father, the vice president uh, uh, Biden at the time, oversaw Ukraine affairs for the White House. This is why. Understood. Do you believe uh, they, they were up to no good? Were they up to doing something corrupt with Burisma? Was the company of Burisma corrupt, as been alleged? which since has been disbanded. I have no doubt that there were illegal activities engaged in by uh, Burisma. As a matter of fact, the criminal case had been started before me. It continued to expand. And Zlochevsky, who at the time held the post of minister and was the founder and CEO of uh, Burisma, started bringing in people who could provide protection for him. Hunter Biden was uh, among them. And the corruption network expanded as a result. So, yes, to answer your question, there, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that Burisma was engaged in illegal activities. Devin Archer said you were a threat to Burisma. Do you agree? Yes. Yes, I agree. Why? Because you were going to find out what they were up to? Because he understood, and so did Vice President Biden, that had I continued to oversee the Burisma investigation, we would have found the facts about the corrupt activities that they were engaging in that included both Hunter Biden and Devin Archer and others. What corrupt activities did you suspect they were engaged in? It would take half a day for me to discuss every single count, but uh, I can say that Burisma illegally produced, sold and utilized gas. Flochevsky, the founder of Burisma, uh, recently made a plea deal with the prosecution in a case where he was accused of giving a $6 million bribe, which is the kind of money that you don't just give away if um, you're not really engaging in anything illegal. So his uh, plea deal was to cover up a $6 million bribe that, that he gave earlier. Do you believe that Joe Biden or Hunter Biden got bribes? I do not want to deal in unproven facts, but my firm personal conviction is that, yes, this was the case. They were being bribed. The fact that Joe Biden gave away $1 billion in uh, U.S. Uh, money in exchange for my dismissal, my firing, isn't that alone a case of corruption? The New York Times writes, on this year's offense, Shokin became a symbol of Ukraine's deeply ingrained culture of corruption. Wall Street Journal, something similar. Washington Post, something similar. What do you say to people who say it's you that are corrupt and that Joe Biden did the right thing, making sure you were fired? I would appreciate if uh, any of these um, highly uh, respectable publications could come up with a single instance or a single example of uh, my personal corruption or any offense whatsoever uh, co allegedly committed by me. 
why don't you sue then? Why don't you sue these publications for defamation? I would gladly do that, but suing somebody costs money, and I simply don't have the money to do that because I'm a retiree and my monthly pe pension constitutes the equivalent of $800. Has this damaged America's reputation in Ukraine? There is no doubt that uh, his actions have uh, damaged the U.S. reputation in Ukraine. It is public knowledge. Uh, everybody knows that it was because of uh, Joe Biden's actions that uh, Russia was able to claim Crimea without firing a single shot, uh, which of course eventually led to a full-scale war that is currently uh, underway. And uh, I do talk uh, about this uh, in my book. But yes, the damage has been done, definitely. I have long been concerned uh, about my uh, personal safety and security. That I've already died technically twice as I was poisoned with uh, mercury. Victor Shokin, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Look forward to reading your book. Why hasn't anybody before Brian Kilmey got this guy on microphone? I mean, this is the guy that holds all of the cards on whether there was Biden mafioso techniques that have were used in that case? Why hasn't mainstream media actually asked the same questions we just heard asked and answer by Brian Kilmey? It's very plain and simple. They didn't want the facts. They didn't want to dig in. Now, why would that be? The corruption in Ukraine, don't think it's over. Don't think it's gone. Let me give you a little example. You know what popped up this morning? Volodymyr Zelensky, he is the president that replaced Poroshenko, who is or was the president of Ukraine that hired Viktor Shokin, Poroshenko. Volodymyr Zelensky said this morning, it's time for Ukraine to hold elections He's not going to hold elections in Ukraine unless he has one reason, he says. He's not going to hold those elections unless the United States and the European Union pay for Ukraine's elections. This comes from an interview published by the president's office last night. In it, Zelensky said that he would be willing to hold elections despite the ongoing martial law, middle of the war with Russia, so long as the U.S. and European Union bankroll the voting process. Now, how in the world does a foreign leader come up with that as being realistic? One would think that Vladimir Zelensky, based upon the paper man that has been built for you and me to look at, which is Zelensky, the way he's been created as a savior, as somebody that is the bright and shining knight that just came on the scene to save everybody. And he's telling us that we need to pay for his elections? I mean, how many tens of billions of dollars do we need to give him in additional money? He said that elections during peacetime typically cost about $5 billion uh, of their money, which is about $135 million of ours, 
but he didn't speculate as to how much more they would cost during a war, though it makes sense it would be much higher. Zelensky said, listen to this now, you're going to love this. Zelensky said last night he talked about the topic of funding for the 2024 elections with Senator Lindsey Graham, who's been one of the staunchest supporters of sending more aid to Ukraine on Capitol Hill. I told Senator Graham, this is Zelensky, if the United States and Europe give us financial support, I'm sorry, I will not hold elections on credit. I will not take money from weapons and give it to the elections either. But if you give me this financial support, if the parliamentarians realize that we need to do this, then let's quickly change the legislation. And most importantly, let's take risk together, he said. Now, what does that last phrase, what does that mean? Let's take risk together. Observers should be in the trenches, I told him. Observers must be sent to the front line so that the elections are legitimate for us and for the whole world. And this is absolutely fair, he added. Now, why is the United States and the UK, why are we on the hook for him to have elections? One would think if he really is a free nation lover and the president of a free nation and someone who is sold out to the democratic process, The number one thing he should guarantee will always happen is free and fair elections on his watch. Nope, he's blackmailing us. He's blackmailing the UK. And he talked to Lindsey Graham about this. Who was Lindsey Graham in this conversation? He's a U.S. senator from South Carolina. He's always been a war hawk. Everybody knows it. He has no place in this conversation. Zelensky, let me just tell you where he is, if you don't even remember. He was a comedian who, prior to becoming president of Ukraine, actually portrayed a fictitious president on the television program Servant of the People. He was elected in 2019 with over 73% of the vote on the backs of promises to cut down on corruption and normalizing relations with Russia. I don't think he uh, was a very good achiever on normalizing relations with Russia, do you? And certainly corruption is still going rampant in Ukraine. Look at what Zelensky's doing. However, this would not come to pass. With a hot war breaking out between the two countries last year after Russia launched their invasion in February. And then a little footnote here. Two high-ranking Ukraine government officials have been embroiled in a corruption scandal and found to have misappropriated $1.6 million in funds. I wonder if that $1.6 million was any of our money that we gave them. I do know this. You heard Dunstan Tao on the show said that first big batch of dollars that the United States sent to Ukraine, it went in cryptocurrency, and a big chunk of it never got to Ukraine, and another chunk went directly to Volodymyr Zelensky. Currently, elections are prohibited while the country's under martial law. 
the renewal of which takes place every 90 days. The next date of martial law for expiration is set for November 15th, meaning it's unlikely that parliamentary elections will hold during their typically scheduled October. Normally, the next presidential election would be held in March of next year. In addition to the uncertainty about the vote itself, it remains to be seen if Zelensky's going to lift the ban of several of opposition parties he imposed last year under the pretense of being pro-Russian. It just sounds to me like it's another banana republic, and we're feeding it. We're just putting gasoline on the fires that are burning because of Volodymyr Zelensky. I, I never have trust this guy. I never have. So what else is happening out there? Well, the Maui situation, no matter how they couch it, no matter the numbers that they give us, it is a horror show. Well over 100 people died, burned to death. That has to be the worst way to go. But now, as you can imagine, blame. It's time for the blame game. And of course, who's responsible for that fire? And we all know the answer. Climate change. Climate change does all the evil bad stuff, don't they? Well, maybe not. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Hi, Tom Bodette, quote, checking in on my smartphone. Everyone's checking in nowadays at airports, restaurants, appointments with certain medical specialists. Seriously, people, TMI. Anyway, thanks to the Motel 6 mobile app, you can book a clean, comfortable room at Motel 6 on your smartphone and get a great rate. Then when you get to Motel 6, you can check in after you check in. Your friends will be totes jealous. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Do you mind? I was in a good place. Then the world changed. Daily uncertainties became huge struggles. I've missed so much, especially the grandkids. A lot happened to all of us. It's okay to not feel fine. Small things each day go a long way. Make time for you. Take Take care. Me. Create a healthier relationship with your mind. Search Dear Mind for more. Authorised by the Queensland Government Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Married to the truth, divorced from the lies, fighting for the future. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And again, Dan Newman. Seems like 
the 900-pound gorilla in the room every time something's unexplained, that it has to do with a weather event? Well, of course, that 900-pound gorilla is always climate change. And we have John Kerry, who he took the mantle away from former Vice President Al Gore as the climate change expert for all of humanity. There's a fly in the ointment of this theory that climate change caused the Hawaiian disaster, and people over in Europe have been blaming fires over there in Greece, ravaging fires on climate change. But somebody slipped into the picture that's kind of putting a truth bomb out there. You remember Michael Schellenberger? Michael Schellenberger is a journalist who gained notoriety for his part in uh, the Twitter files. You remember the Twitter files? Destroying the media's claims that climate change is to blame for the wildfires ravaging Greece. In an epic Sunday thread on the old Twitter, Schellenberger brought receipts and stated, you can't trust the media. So this threat from him comes as Hawaiian officials have attributed the cause of the Maui Inferno, guess what, not to climate change as Democrats are doing, but the alleged failures from the state's main power utility company and downed power lines. In a lawsuit brought by the government of Maui County and filed late last Thursday, Officials allege that Hawaiian Electric Company and its subsidiaries failed to properly power down live electrical equipment amid a red flag windstorm earlier this month. Due to this failure, downed power lines operated by the utility company sparked a number of deadly fires on the island. That's from the lawsuit. And then in Greece... Schellenberger states the media again blamed climate change when the actual cause was arson. The media said climate change, not arson, was behind the fires in Greece. They lied, he wrote. They have egg on their face now that 160 people have been arrested for arson in Greece. Attached to the post, Schellenberger's post, were two shots of CNN headlines. One from August 2021, which read, Why Wildfires Happen, Debunking the Myth that Arson is to Blame More Than Climate Change. Next to that is another CNN headline written on Friday, which read, Greek police arrest dozens for arson as EU's largest ever wildfire rages. Schellenberger, by the way, he is somebody in the media. (laughs) Here's what he said. You can't trust the media. They lie, and then they gaslight you later. Again, he offers his proof, contradictory reports from the mainstream media. He then listed the many things the media lied about, from the Great Barrier Reef to floods. Why does somebody always have to come up and blame somebody to make it look like somebody doesn't know something and the person placing the blame knows more and is therefore more enlightened than the other person? 
This climate change excuse, it was parroted even by Hawaii's Democrat Governor Josh Green after the devastating Maui fire. As BizPAC Review reported, despite the inexcusable string of human errors that hampered firefighters' efforts, and it was horrible, there's no good way to describe it or put a good spin on it. It was horrible. Green, the governor, he claimed those errors were amplified by climate change. He used the tragedy that engulfed Lahaina to urge all cities and states to devote their resources not to fixing faulty power lines or ensuring that water supplies and warning sirens are utilized, but to combat climate change, to prevent disasters like we are seeing here. Schellenberger and his thread prompted all kinds of global responses, as you can imagine. Craig Kelly, former member of the Australian House of Representatives, stated, one of the greatest concerns this Australian summer is that climate zealots will engage in arson to try and prove their religious beliefs are correct. Would a thunk, ask another user on X, like those Canadian fires earlier this summer? However, many users were focused on the damaging effect of the lies on a real democracy, a system that is designed around the core principle that politicians, bureaucrats, and experts can lie and do the exact opposite of what they promise with no risk of being penalized isn't a democracy. One writer wrote and posted that. He came up with a term I really like. It's really a fraudocracy, a fraudocracy. It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Anytime a politician gets up and pontificates about anything, I don't care what it is, you can almost bet in every situation in which you see this happen, there's always another side to every story. You know that. But usually, if it's a political person and they're pontificating and taking on and trying to diminish something that some non-politician is saying, you can almost always bet the other guy, not the politician, has got the root, the story right. Well, you know who we haven't talked about this morning? We're an hour plus into the show. Hadn't come up. Name hadn't come up. What is it? Donald Trump. Donald Trump. <laughs> but we can't let the former president lie out there and not bring him into our conversation today. Donald Trump may retain the ability to openly discuss the cases in which he is a defendant regardless of the restrictions that judges have imposed on him. Now, that, what I just said to you, that's not coming from these judges, but it's coming from legal experts, constitutional experts, people that know the law. Now, in recap, Trump's facing four indictments, including in Georgia, Washington, D.C., that pertain to alleged 2020 election crimes, where judges have placed restrictions on on his speech regarding these cases. 
And when I heard they were doing this, immediately I said, they can't do that. That's his First Amendment right. And I think I'm right for feeling that way. Here's what's come out over the weekend. It'll be difficult to enforce this ordered list of limitations because of Trump's presidential candidacy, as well as his relationships with those who are involved in the cases. The fact that he's a presidential candidate absolutely gives him enhanced First Amendment protections. That's from Article 3 Project founder Mike Davis. This is core political speech. Fulton County, Georgia, Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee issued an order on the 21st of the month that prohibits a former president from engaging in any acts of, quote, intimidation, whether through direct or indirect means, aimed at witnesses and other parties associated with the Georgia case. That's according to a court document. The order includes Trump's social media post and even his repost of other people's content. Moreover, Trump cannot communicate directly about the facts of the case with any co-defendant except through their legal counsel. Additionally, U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin issued a protective order on August 11th to restrict Trump's speech about sensitive materials in the D.C. indictment for his conduct related to the 2020 election. Sensitive materials often include witness interviews and recordings of conversations. While no judge is spoiling for a fight with Trump, judges cannot let defendants flout orders or the justice system is compromised. That comes from Joan Meyer, who's a partner at the law firm Thompson Hine LLP. Trump is not above the law, and if he tries to test that too aggressively, he may find himself in violation. Now, I'm not an attorney, but Joan Meyer, this partner at the law firm Thompson Hine, doesn't have a clue. I'm an American. I understand what rights belong to me and cannot be abridged or taken from me because of the First Amendment of the United States. No judge can unilaterally tell me you can't talk about this. Period. And that, that very fact that I just gave to you, it's been tested dozens of times in court cases that have gone before the United States Supreme Court. Trump's candidacy gives him significant leeway to talk and speak out. Now, this is coming from a founding professor of Nova Southeastern University Law Center, Bruce Rogal. Trump, of course, is in a unique situation, and he can, as a candidate, rail against the prosecution generally, and he will not be sanctioned. Trump has frequently characterized the prosecutions against him as a witch hunt and framed himself as a martyr who's facing persecution on behalf of the American people. Now, this is coming from the New York Times. Therefore, talking about them is a crucial component of his campaign. I mean, that that just makes sense. 
Rogow said, indeed, the prosecution is an important part of his political performance as a candidate. So while most defendants would be careful not to antagonize the court, the prosecutors, he will find that useful. Trump has the best imaginable First Amendment case for talking about the charges against him, the evidence against him, the witnesses against him. That's Kenneth White, a former federal prosecutor from the Washington Post. Additionally, the fact that one of the witnesses is former Vice President Mike Pence, who's competing against Trump for the Republican Party's nomination for president, complicates the enforcement of the restrictions. I mean, (laughs) they obviously were both together and part of what Trump is being prosecuted about. Where it gets problematic for a court to enforce would-be comments that Trump may make about his rival Pence or his post claiming that charges against him are orchestrated retaliatory actions by the Democrat Party. If he has a colorable claim that his statements are a fair commentary about the presidential race and the quality of the candidate he's criticizing, he will not be in violation of a court order. Chutkin, however, suggested she may not interpret Trump's speech protections the same way. Okay, Judge Chutkin, listen to Dan, redneck Dan in North Louisiana. Sometimes when you think something's right, it's not right. And sometimes when you think something's wrong, it's not wrong. And that applies to you. Honorable Judge Chutkin. Here's what Chutkin said. Quote, the existence of a political campaign is not going to have any bearing on my decision other than, you know, any other lawyer coming before me saying that my client needs to be able to do his job. The judge stated at a hearing on August 11th. I will always obviously factor it in, but I intend to keep politics out of this. This is about politics. You can't keep it out of a judge. You're in it because of politics. The whole case exists because of politics. It'll take an awful lot for Judge Chutkin to jail Trump, and you can bet he'll push the line as far as he can. That's from University of Michigan law professor Barbara McQuaid. It's a win-win situation for Trump. If he's not gagged and jailed, he can disparage prosecutors and witnesses with impunity. If he's jailed, he can portray himself as a victim (laughs) of persecution. Davis agreed jailing Trump could benefit him politically. It would put him back in the White House, Davis said. Chutkin has been pretty harsh in ruling on January 6th Capitol riot cases. Trump referred to her as highly partisan and very biased and unfair. That was in a truth social post. Making truthful statements about the judges should be encouraged, Davis told uh, the Daily Caller. We have to make sure criminal defendants get fair trials. However, lawyer for Lewis Bach, Kaufman, Middlemiss, Mark Frazier, Scholl. Did you get that? Counsel for Lewis Bach, Kaufman, Middlemiss, Mark Frazier, Scholl, that's one name, disagreed that Trump's candidacy grants him extra freedom. 
Trump's status as a presidential candidate provides him with no enhanced First Amendment freedom of expression rights. At least I have seen no precedent that grants a presidential candidate enhanced First Amendment freedom of expression rights. That means his right to speak and express is neither enhanced nor diminished by the fact that he wishes to seek political office. And of course... Daily Caller reached out to the Justice Department, Merrick Garland, Attorney General's office to get some comment, and they said, no comment, absolutely no comment. We do have that presidential race underway. You know that, don't you? Do you know what all is involved in all of that? Well, a lot of moving parts. And there's a lot of high-level Republican Party pontificating that's going on on stage in the debate last week, off stage, and probably the guy that has gotten most of the attention is Vivek Ramaswamy. He is a self-made multimillionaire. He borders on being accurately achieving billionaire status instead of millionaire status. But... uh, He kind of made himself look kind of bad. Came out after the debates that Ramaswamy was already a millionaire when he accepted a law school financial award from George Soros. Ramaswamy was already a millionaire, and Ramaswamy said he needed to pay for law school. Sounds like there may be a little conflict there. Ramaswamy defended himself for accepting a $90,000 award from the Paul and Daisy Soros Fellowship for New Americans, which was founded by Daisy and Paul Soros, the late older brother of liberal billionaire financier George Soros. Ramaswamy said that after graduating from Harvard, he didn't have the money to afford Yale Law School. There was a separate scholarship that I won at the age of 24, 25 when I was going to law school in my mid-20s and my early 20s when I didn't have the money and it was a merit scholarship that hundreds of kids win that was partially funded, not by George Soros, but by Paul Soros, a relative, his brother. This is Ramaswamy talking. And to be perfectly honest with you, I would have had to be a fool to turn down that scholarship at the age of 24. When Ramaswamy accepted the award in 2011, he was a first-year law school at Yale, had been working for several years as an investment analyst at the hedge fund QVT Financial. In 2011, the same year he accepted the award, Ramaswamy reported $2,252,209 in total income, according to his tax returns. He reported a total of $1,173,690 in income in the three years prior. Vivek won a generic scholarship that hundreds of students win to attend graduate school. That's from his campaign spokesperson, Trisha Malaughlin. It was funded by a relative of George Soros, who is long dead. 
Vivek would have been a fool to turn down the scholarship. Anyone would have, anyone who would have shouldn't get anywhere near the White House doing trade deals, she continued. In fact, there's only one candidate that will be on stage Wednesday night whom George Soros has said he wants to win this primary, and it's not Vivek. McLaughlin was probably referring to comments Soros made at the Munich Security Conference in February. Soros has said DeSantis is shrewd, ruthless, and ambitious. He is likely to be the Republican candidate. Soros said he hoped Trump would then mount a third-party campaign for president, split the GOP vote, and lead to a Democrat landslide. Boy, they've got this all figured out, don't they? (laughs) I think we all should remember. We all should understand. Elections nowadays in the United States of America, every two years, you can't hang your hat on the results of any of them. You just can't do it. Whether the results that we've been given are fair and righteous and truthful or not, you can't really tell from the polls how things are going to turn out. One thing I'm pretty confident I can say here now, Vivek Ramaswamy is going to be in the mix. I don't think he's going to lay down and go and leave. I think he's in it for the long run. There are some people up there that can't say that. I can't say that about and be confident. It is way too expensive to run for president for anybody that is just not totally soused in money. And Ramaswamy, he's one of the few up there that can actually say he really is. He's a multi-multi-millionaire. In the steel industry, we dedicate our careers to supporting this country, making products to build infrastructure and skylines, creating jobs, supporting families. And when domestic materials are used, the money stays in our communities. That's what really matters. These people, these places, that's worth supporting. Juice drinks, sodas, and sports drinks are loaded with added sugars and calories and have little or no nutritional value. Sugary drinks can destroy teeth, cause obesity, and lead to type 2 diabetes. Sugar Bites. Protect your kids. Playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat up to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. Gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners. Welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order? Yeah, I'll have a... Pre-meeting pump-up, a Monday fixer, and a screaming boss recovery. So that's one peppermint mocha, one McCafe frappe, and one fruit smoothie? Yep. Name your drink. McDonald's has it. We're your destination for those special flavors that help you get through your day. Get any small McCafe smoothie, frappe, shake, or espresso drink for only $2. Even the delicious new peppermint mocha. 
For a limited time, price and participation may vary. You know, hardly anybody could tell that didn't know this is actually Steely Dan. This is a Steely Dan song. It's kind of an interesting little ditty, isn't it? So, over the weekend, a lot of people got out, a lot of people got on television cameras and gave their opinions and talked about what's up, what's going to happen, what should happen, what cannot be allowed to happen, especially regarding our elections coming up. I, uh, I do believe, and this is my opinion, I'm not basing this on anything other than my opinion, but I do believe that Michelle Obama is really, really close to announcing replacing Joe Biden as the Democrat Party candidate for 2024. I don't think it's going to be Gavin Newsom. I do. I always have from the beginning, and I still do. Even I'm more confident now than ever, Joe Biden will not be running for re-election. All that being said, based upon the things that we're saying now that we have alleged were absolutely correct and right and truthful. Now we're finding out every day they really, really were and are, but the media, the legacy media have no appetite to go after anything that makes anybody on the left look bad or anybody on the right look good. They want Everybody that is non-hardcore leftist Democrat denigrated and basically considered to be not worthy of breathing the same air as the rest of them. It's gotten that bad. Claudia Tenney, member of the House of Representatives, she weighed in over the weekend. Michael Knowles, a podcaster. I like his stuff, but I'm going to let you listen to Michael and Claudia Tenney. And the best thing about this, what you're about to hear, is the Claudia Tenney part. And I want you to listen to what she has to say. Joining us now from House Ways and Means, Congresswoman Claudia Tenney. Okay, Congresswoman, let's back up. We've got reports from Just the News. Obama officials at the State Department, Treasury, and DOJ, also CIA officials, did applaud, applaud and cheer on Shokan on anti-corruption reforms in early 2015. And then Biden later that year threatens to withhold a billion bucks in aid if Shokin is not fired. Shokin was probing Burisma. Your reaction to the story? It's finally coming out. I mean, look, there could, you talk, Trump talked about his perfect phone call. It couldn't be anything worse than uh, Biden's arrogant comment and his uh, just blatant bribery that he's talking about in plain sight. This is an impeachable offense. We've seen this tape roll so many times. And and look, the the chairman or the president of Burisma, this energy company, is one of the told the FBI informant that they paid two five million dollar payments, one to Joe Biden in a in a pseudonym, and one to Hunter Biden. Uh, in order to get this done so they'd stop looking into the probe. And what do you know, just like Joe Biden wanted, Shokin was fired. And and even as you cited earlier in the lead, uh, President Obama's people were saying, yeah, this is this guy was doing a good job cleaning up the mess. And so here we have Joe Biden. I, I just think it couldn't be more blatant than anything. This guy needs to be impeached 
and removed ASAP. Yeah, Victoria Nuland, Obama State Department official, said, yeah, he's doing, Shokin's doing a good job, right? You had George yeah. Kent, Obama State Department official, testifying major conflicts of interest for Hunter Biden to be at Burisma. So why did Joe Biden think it was okay to have Hunter Biden work at Ukraine's Burisma? I mean, its co-founder allegedly paid a $7 million bribe to officials in Ukraine's prosecutor's offices shut down the case against him in 2014. That was seven months after he hired Hunter to sit on the board. And then you got Joe Biden going in there, you know, giving a speech saying, we're going to get Shokin fired if, we, if we're going to withhold a billion bucks in aid. So why did Joe Biden think it was OK from the get-go for Hunter Biden to even be in this rattlesnake's net, uh, nest of corruption? I don't think he cares. He's arrogant. There was money to be made. He used his son as a proxy. His son was a flawed individual and, and they got the money. That's what it's all about. He's arrogant. Joe's always been corrupt and always been dirty. And the mainstream media has always given him a pass and, and presented him as just regular guy, regular Joe. Remember, Victoria Nuland was the star of Trump's impeachment, talking about Trump's, you know, this, the so-called perfect phone call that, that uh, Trump made. And, and, uh, and here she, here we are now finding out the truth. The Democrats always project the corruption was there. They knew it. So they tried to transfer that on to President Trump and hoping it will go away. Now we have it. It's in plain sight. The Bidens are trying to cover up whether they're using Merrick Garland or they're using Attorney General, we or, or Attorney General Weiss out of Delaware, who was wrongly appointed as the uh, special prosecutor. And now we need to act as a Congress. We need to go forward. I don't see how any Democrat can vote against this unless they're purely partisan. This is corruption. So you're going to do an this impeachment inquiry? In will there be, sorry, will there be an impeachment inquiry after Labor Day launch? Because the media, including the Washington Post, Atlantic magazine, they're saying there's more than enough evidence to launch a serious investigation. That is a major problem if the vice president and Joe, President Joe Biden was an active partner in the family's access peddling business, especially in this hotbed of corruption with Hunter right at the heart of it at Burisma in Ukraine. Will there be an impeachment inquiry after Labor Day? There will be an impeachment. Uh, maybe we'll do an in in inquiry first, but we're going to reach an impeachment. It has to be done. When you see the mainstream media who have covered for the Bidens and the Biden family for all this long, deciding it's time to discard Joe, that must mean that the rest of the Democrats are ready to discard Joe because they know it just looks too bad. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get some senators to go along with impeachment and that's it for Joe Biden. Uh, okay. But it's all going to take time to do this and put the evidence in. Claudia Tinney. She speaks for a lot of people. And she speaks for a lot of other people that, that don't, uh, they haven't made up their minds yet, but they're leaning that way. Honestly, I don't, I don't know why they wouldn't automatically just go into an impeachment inquiry when they proclaim it legally. It gives the House investigating, it gives it a lot more leeway, and there's more bang in the bucks for getting documents and discovery than they're able to get without that decree an impeachment inquiry, I think they just need to go ahead and do it because it's very, very obvious there was criminality involved in all of that stuff. And how it's lasted this long is a blight on the American dream, the American process, where the rule of law and accountability and freedom and justice for all and equality that comes from God, not from government, all those things rolled into one, this should have been handled several years ago. And we're still not at the point where we're going to open the door and go make sure the rule of law was honored 
and we are adhering to the rule of law, which we're not at this point, it's got to happen or we're going to lose a country. And I mean, in many ways, we already are. Look what's still happening at our southern border. Years later, hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens committing felony acts against Americans all over the continental United States. 600,000 in a two-year period against uh, citizens of Texas alone. Let me tell you another one. We lose these stories when we talk about all the political graft and grift that's going on. We lose our context of what illegal acts and horrors are being perpetrated by many of those coming across our southern border. An illegal alien that was freed in the United States by Joe Biden's Department of Health and Human Services has been denied bail after allegedly raping and murdering an 11-year-old girl in Pasadena, Texas this month. I was born in Pasadena, Texas. It's a Houston suburb. Last week, the Pasadena Police Department arrested 18-year-old Juan Carlos Garcia Rodriguez for allegedly raping Maria Gonzalez before strangling her and stuffing her lifeless body into a laundry basket that he then allegedly hid under her bed. Rodriguez first showed up at the U.S.-Mexico border in January from Guatemala before being turned over to HHS as an unaccompanied alien child because he was 17 years old at the time. HHS eventually released Rodriguez to an adult sponsor in Shreveport, Louisiana, where I'm sitting right now doing this show. Late last week, Rodriguez appeared in Pasadena court and was denied bail on capital murder charges. According to court records obtained by local media, Rodriguez told police he was held at gunpoint by two black men who forced him to rape Gonzalez. On August 12th, just before her murder, Gonzalez texted her father, who had left for work, that someone was knocking on their front door. At that point, her dad sent family members to check on the girl, but found no one in the apartment. When her father came home, he discovered her body in a laundry basket under her bed. Her body had suffered blunt force trauma in addition to sexual assault. For months, Biden's henchman, probably somebody that has absolutely no justification to even be in government, Biden's HHS Secretary Javier Becerra. He's been criticized for ballooning the unaccompanied minor program reportedly failing to vet unaccompanied minors and their adult sponsors. In Biden's first two years, close to 300,000 unaccompanied minors arrived at the border and were leased across the U.S. to supposedly vetted adult sponsors. Likewise, in April, a Florida grand jury released their investigation into one of these unaccompanied minor programs. Among their findings, the statewide grand jury found that criminals, such as associates of the MS-13 gang, routinely seek to use the program to get into the U.S. 
and adults often lie about their age to get into the program. They are so much smarter than our, our people in the Biden administration. Evil, evil's pretty powerful. I don't care who you are or what you say. Well, $8,400 more is what you have paid this year over last year to get the same support and financial stuff that you and your family were using last year. $8,400 more. You can thank Bidenflation for that. So as families around the country, they take our last road trip of the summer to drop college seniors back on campus. The job prospects for these youngsters are growing grimmer and grimmer every day. Many companies are holding out on making returning offers to interns who slog through the summer trying to impress. And the reason for it? An uncertain economy. I don't care who you are. It's very uncertain right now. The worst offenders are companies and industries that rely heavily on a steady supply of young and talented knowledge workers, tech, financial services, consulting. For several weeks, a company named McKinsey Partners have been calling rising seniors to say that while the elite strategy firm will visit campuses for recruiting events, hiring will be limited to enlisting interns for the summer. Current seniors will never get a chance to appear for full-time interviews. The same applies to other consulting firms, including BCG, Bain, and the technology-based Big Four consulting firms like EY, PwC, Deloitte, and KPMG. These firms, they're just not hiring. And if they are, the hiring numbers are way, way, way down from prior years. The big banks, they're doing the same. College seniors are seeing doors shut in various banking sectors. That includes commercial and housing, deal-making, and M&A. Credit the situation to the anxiety in banks' corner offices. What with the Fitch downgrade of U.S. debt and the Moody's downgrade of the banking sector, including banks that are, remember, too big to fail? Yeah, right. One recent New York Times report shows many commercial real estate loans are coming due before 2025 can't be refinanced because landlords find the interest rates too high and their occupancy rates too low. That's a deadly combination for commercial real estate. Interest rates too high, occupancy rates too low. Although companies are tightening work-from-home policies and requiring employees to go back to the office, the model is more hybrid than full-time at the office. Meanwhile, residential mortgage rates went over 7% last week, the highest in 20 years. So, thanks to leaders at the Treasury who refused even to acknowledge that inflation was raging, remember that transitory inflation promise that Janet Yellen gave us as Secretary of Treasury and help pass trillion-dollar deficit bills, the Fed did. The Fed has had to tighten the money supply 
in big ways with money so dear and expected to be so tight through December of next year, the big builders are scaling back on developing new housing projects when America faces, right now, we have a huge housing shortage. And why won't they scale back? They wouldn't want to risk having unsold homes in inventory when the average American can't afford a mortgage. According to the mortgage professor, a 30-year half-a-million-dollar loan at 7%, it's going to cost $3,362 a month in mortgage payments. That doesn't include taxes, insurance, and maintenance. And that's all thanks to, guess what? Bidenflation. So who pays the immediate price for all this? Young college seniors who have had their experiences bookended by two terrible disasters over which they had little control, if any control. Many in the class of 2024 began their first year at home because of college lockdowns during the pandemic. And now they face an uncertain future with many forced to accept temporary jobs or even considering graduate schools to ride out the market. Going to graduate school has its own set of difficulties, assuming more debt on top of existing undergraduate loans that have reset to even higher interest rates. So we're in an economy that's not growing as fast. The best hope for the average college senior is that existing company employees resign or retire so that new openings are created. But then there's inflation. It's so high, many in the labor force can't afford to resign or retire now, preferring to hold on to each paycheck as though it could be their last. So Reuters, who of late, those are the people in the financial news industry that seem to hit the bell and ring it more than the others. They made this point in an article earlier this month. They said this, when interest rates are going up, workers demand higher pay, attention. The numbers of workers expect to quit feels like a painless way to bring down wage bills. That's not so easy anymore since the so-called quit rate, the percentage of the workforce leaving their employer, has sunk back to its low levels from before the pandemic. One response is for those companies to hire fewer people, and the financial sector's ratio of job openings to current employees has fallen to its lowest since September. And if that doesn't work, hey, 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 layoffs always do. The rate of those is inching up. Companies have had an incentive to defer the movement of wielding the axe, though, for fear of seeming more troubled than are their competitors. If it's as bad enough for seniors who just completed an internship, it's much worse for those who tried for an internship and never got one this summer. As layoffs plague companies from technology and banking to entertainment and healthcare, hiring is being halted and scaled back, affecting summer internships for students too. Out in Silicon Valley, Meta and Google hired fewer interns this year. The decreased numbers are part of larger efforts to trim the size of their workforces and slow hiring. It boils down to this. 
and nobody can say credibly anything other than this is true. The Biden economy has been a complete disaster for college students. Gen Xers are generally a liberal righteous bunch, but they should help throw Washington insiders out of office the next time they go to the polling booth. Because if they don't, we're just due for another round of this SOS. And I'm not going to tell you what that means. Same old, and you put the four-letter word that's appropriate in there, same stuff over and over and over again. The definition of insanity, doing the exact same things, like Joe Biden tells us to do. You've got to trust Bidenomics. Oh, my goodness, you've got to do away with all fossil fuel. Oh, that's destroying our earth. Have you noticed how, and speaking of climate change and Joe Biden, have you noticed how the left, they always run to climate change and keep it up at a high level? They never let the conversation get down in the weeds. I had a conversation with an expert. I mean, a real expert about climate issues. And let me tell you what, this guy's a scientist. He's been around. He's well-known. I could tell you his name, and many of you would know it. I won't, because he told me this off the record. But here's what he said. Everybody's screaming and hollering about how hot it is. Oh, it's record heat everywhere. We've never seen this before. We never have. People are dying everywhere. We don't have rain, the dirt, the sand. It's all drying up, and it's all because of climate change. And you know what he told me? He said, I I just looked at the month-by-month numbers worldwide on temperature and climate-related deaths of all kinds. And he said, anybody can go look it up. But he said, the climate activists, they don't want to talk about it. They know what the real numbers are. Do you know that on the planet Earth, every year for the last 100 years, that's as long back, as far back as the experts go, at coming up with direct climate deaths based upon temperature. 50% more people die from cold weather than die from heat and its effects. 50% more. And that number has not changed. And I asked him, I said, what should we as Americans, what should we expect our government to do on anything regarding climate? And here's what he said. This mess about electrical and wind and solar and all that kind of stuff, he said it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard anybody talk about in public. The only thing that matters, the only thing that matters, as long as we continue to see mild decreases in our carbon footprint, which has happened in the United States every year progressively, since the turn of the century. Did you know that every year? We're not the evil climate torpedoes. We're the ones 
that are doing a good job. As long as we keep that steady, we need to find the most economical type of energy that we can give to Americans because the cost of energy under this administration is tearing our nation apart and destroying families. Wow. Now, I told you, I had Michael Knowles coming up, one of the most articulate defenses of Trump. And I don't want to finish the show without you hearing this. People are defending Trump. A lot of people are outraged by the obvious injustice. And one of those people leads a group that I'm, I'm not allowed to, I don't think I'm allowed to say it on the air, probably not even allowed to say it in, in private company, even though it's, it's a word that has a soft R, not a hard R. So it's a word that you hear in the popular culture. So I'm just going to say ninjas for Trump is the group that he leads. A lot of supporters going down into Fulton County, uh, expressing their support for Trump as he was booked last night. Well, here is, to my mind, I'm not being ironic or sarcastic in any way. Here is one of the most articulate defenses of Trump and clear-eyed views of political philosophy. I have heard from a viral character in years. I'm here to support President Trump. You want to know why I'm here to support President Trump? Because they done did black men like this for decades, make up charges and put them so I know Trump is innocent. I support Trump against this corrupt, two-tiered justice system. That's why I'm here to show my support as a black man for Trump. And I'm wearing my shirt and for Trump 2024, and I mean that. What do you think about the indictments? Oh, it's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> it's going around the country. You know, Fanny, Fanny Willis, she's a, uh, she went to school with my sister. She's full of shit. She was full of shit then. So she's a puppet for the white liberal that is controlling everything. She's in front, but the white liberal back there pulling those strings telling her what to do. That's what I think about her, making a fool of herself. Do you think it's going to help his election? Of course it is. It's going to elevate him all the way. I think we should make Trump king. That's how I feel. We should make him king. um, Wouldn't that be like kind of like communistic? No, that's no way near communist. No, we're just going to make him king, but we still got our freedoms and rights and everything. He fought that. Yeah, Trump for king 2024. This guy, I'm not joking, do not think that I am in any way being ironic. This guy is smarter and more insightful and has a clearer view of political philosophy than 97% of the chattering class, probably more, 98 or 99%. His name's Derek Gibson. He ran for governor of New York. I think he's running for Congress right now. This guy is smart and he connects with people because he is able to speak in a way that's entertaining and so he can go viral. Think about what he said there, even just at the end when he said, I think we should make Trump king. And the woman laughs and she says, isn't that kind of communistic? And all of a sudden the joke kind of stops and he looks at her and he says, wait, what? It's not, is, being a king is communistic? Do you not know anything about regime and political philosophy? Who on earth would say that monarchy is communistic? Good grief, lady. Not everything that isn't 1982-style liberalism is communist. Good grief. No. What does he say? He says, no, it's not. Monarchies have existed for all of human history. Communism's been around for about 200 years. Uh, No, there are some differences. Communists tend to subvert monarchies too, by the way. You know how the communists have overthrown a number of monarchies or attempted to overthrow a number of monarchies? The Bolsheviks, I don't think, I don't think that the monarch of Russia, I don't think... Tsar Nicholas said, oh, wonderful, my fellow communists come in and kill my family. What are you talking about? 
He says, no, it's not. He says, it's not communistic. We'll still have our freedoms and our rights. He'll just be the king. And he, he's joking, obviously, but he's not joking about monarchy. There have been many monarchies throughout history that are much more free and are much better at protecting people's rights than supposed democracies. There have been many monarchies throughout history that are much more free, that are much better at protecting people's rights than our supposed democracy right now. Here's exhibit A. They're arresting all the dissidents <laughs> and the lawyers simply for representing the opposition leader who they're arresting too. So preposterous. There's a very shallow liberal view that the only kind of regime that could ever possibly be good or legitimate is democracy in the year of our Lord, 2023. Because a lot of these people will say, oh, even democracy 20 years ago, it was evil. It was oppressive. We didn't have all sorts of rainbow flags everywhere. It was awful. Give me a break. Going back to Polybius, we know. There are good monarchies. The bad version of monarchy is tyranny, but that's just where the, the one man ruling is ruling for himself rather than the common good. There are good aristocracies. There are bad, bad versions called oligarchy. And there have been perfectly lovely democracies, but there's a bad version called mob rule. Where are we right now? Right now, go to puretalk.com slash Knowles. Is your cell phone in desperate need of replacement? You know the signs, short battery life, so you got to have a charger on hand. Cracked screen gives the glass splinters. It's time to put that old phone to rest and upgrade to a new 5G Samsung Galaxy from Pure Talk for free. Yeah, I got that. I'm keeping my phone. <laughs> Michael knows that was a, a good explanation of that. I uh, I thought it was I thought I thought it was excellent. I really did because it it just makes it so plain and simple to understand. Instead of everything being interwoven and all locked together, and because of this and because of that, it just all makes sense. I'm not going to leave without telling you a story that I just saw that just shook me. Small town YMCAs in Ohio have launched themselves headfirst into the transgender debate by allowing men who identify as women to access women's locker rooms. The YMCA. Women who have belonged to these supposedly family-friendly YMCAs for years are finding out to their shock that management considers their safety and privacy inferior to the feelings of men. Local media broke the news earlier this year that an obese man who allegedly identifies as a woman would not be guilty of indecent exposure since when he was naked in the women's locker room, his stomach fat supposedly concealed his junk. Now for the first time, some of the, and I can't get that picture out of my head. <laughs> now for the first time, some of the women whose privacy he invaded are speaking out in interviews. One Ohio mom who asked not to be identified to protect the privacy of her two daughters says she saw the man who goes by the name Rachel Glines fully naked and leering when she and her daughters were showering and changing in November. 
Another local woman, Janelle Holloway, shares that she was shocked and startled to find a naked man in her locker room when she went to change in September of 2022. She says she unsuccessfully sought help and comfort from the Xenia, Ohio YMCA's leadership, only to find that this man had been given permission to use the women's facilities. So here we go. What kind of world have we found ourselves cooking up? We are living in a really negative situation. We're supposed to protect the girls and women among us. And who are these perverts that are out there trumpeting and pushing for these guys who can't get dates, want to parade around butt naked in a woman's locker room? Oh, my God. 